We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So far, so good for Ravens rookie wide receiver Zay Flowers through the first week of training camp. And Bobby, that is probably putting it lightly considering recent events. Mm, Yeah, I'd say so. Baltimore's first round pick straight up lit it up on Tuesday with arguably his best showing yet at camp. All those details and highlights still to come. I am Sarah Ellison alongside Bobby Trossett. It is Wednesday, August 2nd, and this is your morning Ravens update from inside the vault. So partner, second year cornerback Jalen Armour Davis could be making a case for CB2 duties, which secondary coach Chris Hewitt sort of suggested during his media session on Tuesday. Yeah, he also suggested some big things for second year safety Kyle Hamilton. He says that he expects Hamilton to play at a Pro Bowl level in his sophomore season. We have all that more coming up. Thanks for waking up with the Morning Vault. As always, where you get the most important Ravens news and our opinions in about 30 minutes. Not only is the national, regional, local media outlets all in on on Ravens rookie Zay Flowers, but his coaching staff is. His teammates are going out of their way to compliment him. Talk about this word that we often hear about with him, polish, experience, savvy, confidence. But it's another thing to actually back all that talk, all that speculation, all that hype up on the field. And that's exactly what he's done here in the early going. Yeah, Bobby, I kind of compiled, went around to all different reporters to just get an idea of how big his day was on Tuesday. Bobby, people were using the word cooking, dominating, calling him a star. There was a phrase, nearly impossible to cover. It's like he came back from this whatever stomach issue he had, and he came back better than ever. So let me break down some of the plays, and then we do have one highlight, probably his best of the day. So according to Kyle Barber, so he's over at uh, Baltimore Beatdown. He was there, and for the first time, the Ravens did one-on-one drills. They've kind of been working up to this. It's always fun to watch one-on-one drills. And Zay had three attempts at one-on-one drills. And according to everybody, (laughs) okay, Zay won all three 1v1s, okay? And his first one, 
He beat starter Rock Yassin on a streak route, and he finished it with a diving grab. Then on his next try, he beat Daryl Worley on an out route. And then finally, poor undrafted corner Corey Mayfield Jr. He just got cut up in this stutter move by Zay, and he fell down to the turf trying to keep up. He, he did get back up, but of course, Zay finishes him off and makes the grab. So Barber said it was that final one where he had Mayfield falling to the ground. He said that was arguably the best, not just for Zay on the day, but the best for any receiver on the day. Then he wasn't done there. You could probably walk us to the next one. This is when it, the, the practice moves from 1v1 to 7-on-7. Seven seven. Now, Bobby, we have to mention, of course, 7-on-7 seven seven red zone drills, that's favoring the offense, right? Because there's no pass rush. Quarterback's not under duress, so they've got all the time in the world. But nonetheless, Flowers once again started to cook. And this time it wasn't just against an undrafted guy like Mayfield. Now he's against two of the Ravens starters in the safety position, who we're all saying is probably one of the best safety duos in the league. I mean, they got to prove it. Um, so, you know, he gets up against them. And then let's check this out from what he did in this seven-on-seven seven red zone drill. Top play of the day, Ravens Media put this up. Mm. Just, we only see the the very end of it there, obviously. The Ravens Media team cannot show the full play. They don't want to show because um, opponents can. Let's watch it one more time here. So we only get the very end. Somehow Zay beats both Kyle Hamilton and Williams. Back of the end zone, gets both feet down, first one, then the other, tumbles to the ground. And then as he gets back up, he's acting like he's done it a million times before. No huge celebration, but he does say some words. You can tell he's saying something to Williams there, letting him know, hey, I just got both of you. I love it. I love it. And you know what's funny, too? Like, yeah, he hasn't done it a million times, obviously, at one winning drive, but I guarantee he probably has at Boston College and in his own training regiments. He's so, it's like riding a bike for him out there and these highlights that we're watching, you know, and we've heard so much about his, his quick feet, his agility, his lateral quickness, the sturdiness of which he, he, he runs these routes uh, with, but the hands too. And also like the change in direction and, understanding spatial awareness like that right there was in in the back of the end zone Sarah like he he understands where he is and where his feet are and how how all of that comes together uh for, for a collaboration of of a of a catch so I'm sure it's the it's this there's plenty more to come when it comes to Zay but like we said the, the guy's fearless and I think that's probably what makes it most exciting is that he is fearless and he doesn't look like a rookie. He doesn't act like a rookie either. No, he's got such, he's got such great body control. He's got, when you combine the talent with, with the, the mental, the mentals, you know, it, there's, there's sky's the limit. Now here's, what's crazy is so Zay flowers. He's definitely the star of the day. Right. But other wide receivers had great days too. So Odell Beckham Jr. in these red zone drills, he gets two touchdowns of his own. Bobby, I can't remember. We've talked about many times in the past how there's always some sort of like summer darling, but there's never been this much of just the wide receivers 
frequently winning like this. Like I've just, I can't remember it ever happening in the time that I've, I've covered the Ravens. Now, again, that has to translate to the season. It may not translate to the season, but that's where it's different is it's like several guys and the guys that you expect to start, not some like six round or maybe the guy who get this could get the sixth spot. Like these are the guys who you're expecting to be your starter. So anyway, Odell Beckham Jr. He gets two touchdown catches, both of them um, against Rocky Sian. Now the bad part for OBJ, which is rare for him, apparently he just completely dropped what should have been a 70 yard touchdown pass and then people went to Jeff and they're like, well, was it on him who threw the pass? What was the deal? Jeff's Rebeck explains it was Lamar Jackson who threw it. And he says, well, Lamar hasn't been like the most accurate all summer on these deep passes. He says on this one, the pass was perfect. He used the word perfect and it went right to OBJ's hands. And, you know, he just missed it. So, hey, OBJ, even he, every once in a while misses them. Usually he's making the circus catches, but that has not been a theme for OBJ. The other thing, we mentioned him last night. We're mentioning him again. Nelson Aguilar had another red zone touchdown, which that's been a theme for him. He's had a theme of red zone uh, touchdowns. And by the way, he's doing it. I believe he did it this time against Marlon Humphrey. He's had a lot of good one-on-ones with Humphrey. Humphrey's given all these guys. Um, it's been like a good back and forth with all of them. So it sounds like, and we'll get to him more, it was Rocky Asian who had a who had a rough day while all these wide receivers were uh, – we're um, going off. So again, we'll temper our expectations. Zay has not arrived. He will arrive if he does all this in the regular season and does it consistently. But of the passing game, head coach John Harbaugh said, I thought all of the wide receivers did a nice job. Good practice. The passing game continues to take steps forward. And that comes with like, yeah, critical days for the secondary, right? Like if, if so many good things are happening for like not everybody in training camp can have these great days that we're talking about. And matter of fact, I mean, yeah, like it's cliche iron sharpens iron, but like just because rock had a really tough Tuesday, which to your point, we'll, we'll get to that. And a lot of which was in man coverage, by the way, which he doesn't have a ton of, of reps in, in, in recent years. That's, that's actually a, a good thing because the Ravens secondary, if I'm not mistaken, is highly ranked in a lot of these preseason publications. So that just shows you that this offense hopefully is taking the step and that we all think that they can. And, and if that's the case, then maybe they end up playing pretty well against other formidable opponents as well. So shifting hey, one, gears, two, 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 two yeah. other quick notes. Sorry, Bobby. I, I, I forgot about these. I didn't, I didn't put them in our notes. So that's why you didn't see them. Um, I had just seen from um, Jonah Schaefer from the Baltimore um, banner two things he said Lamar Jackson was 17 of 24 on the day so in seven on sevens and, 11, and 11 on 11 so that's a solid day for Lamar Jackson and then let me read this because we've gotten I've, I've heard a lot of stuff about this guy on Twitter we haven't covered him too much Keaton Mitchell okay the undrafted running back this is what Jonah Schaefer had to say Keaton Mitchell was the best running back of the day while the Ravens' run defense was stout once again by clogging up holes in the middle, we've, we've talked about the defensive line, how it's been just absolutely dominating. While it was stout once again, Mitchell was able to break free for a few solid runs in 11-on-11. 11 11. So I just wanted to give a quick update there on, on the running game, um, which, again, as we know, J.K. Dobbins, is, Dobbins isn't there, but that's good news for Keaton, who has Melvin Gordon to, to compete with. And obviously Gus Edwards is there, but for him to have the best day in the second day of padded practice, 
that bodes well for him to try to get a spot on this team. Before we get to um, what could potentially be somewhat of a surprise, who's who could be vying for cornerback uh, duties alongside Marlon Humphrey, starting opposite him, I should say. Just wanted to shout out a couple of our returning patrons who are supporting both of us, our channel, our audio-only endeavors through Patreon this month. So shout out James Wiley, shout out D Black. We appreciate you both for believing in what we're building here on The Vault. And if you're interested in doing the same, you can check out what we're offering on Patreon by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault podcast. Jalen Armour Davis, second-year player out of Alabama, a 2022, that means fourth-round pick by the Ravens. Didn't see a whole lot of him last year due to injury. But as you noted here, secondary coach Chris Hewitt sure made it seem like potentially J.A.D. isn't just pushing for number three corner duties, but possibly even number two, which a lot of us have essentially given to Rakia Seen on a shoo-in basis. Uh, not so fast. Here's the quote. Right now, we got Marlon. He solidified himself as one of the corners. And then we've got Rock, who right now, he's got the nod. But Jalen Armour Davis, he's pushing him right now as well. I look for big things from him coming up. It's going to be a competition throughout training camp, end quote. What's your reaction there? I was surprised, that, which is why I tweeted about it. I was very surprised. Um, it just based off of um, pay and the way everybody's been talking about Rocky Scene, he's he seems to be the established number two. Now, I will say sometimes coaches will say things like this to really get competition ramped up, you know, making sure that nobody feels like they've totally arrived. You can only do that for so many people. I've, I mean, he did say he's like Marlon's the, the total package. <laughs> so, but they've paid Marlon. He's the franchise corner. Guys like him, OBJ, uh, Mark Andrews, Lamar Jackson, you can, you don't need to pretend that there's a competition there. So I don't know how much of this is just to try to motivate rock um or if this is trying to motivate uh Jalen to let him know he's got a chance I do know that they were high on Jalen he just has been injured so um Chris Hewitt was asked about both those guys specifically Jalen Armour Davis he basically just say is saying that he's climbing and he's basically and, and he said in there he's like we grade every single play and he said Jalen's got to have a ton of positives and we're ho and it just seemed to me and I could be wrong it's just my take on it it seemed to me that Hewitt was almost pulling for Jalen Armour Davis. I don't know if you remember, Bobby, but when they did their pre-draft interview with Jalen, they they posted that because it was so unbelievably impressive. Oh, yeah. He was so polished. Do you remember that? Yeah. So, um, so that's what he had to say about Jalen. And then uh they followed up and you know, where they were like, Well, what about Rocky Sian? And um, he said, well, my thing is, is I want physical corners. And that's what Rock is. He's a physical corner. And then he detailed how he's physical. He punches, he comes up to the line of scrimmage, all that kind of stuff. Then Hewitt goes on to say, quote, but he's played in a different system. He's been in cover three, cover two. He's been a cover three, cover two type corner. He hasn't played too much of man in all the multiple coverages we play. So there's a little bit of a learning curve for him right now, close quote. So again, I don't know. I don't know how, how much Jalen's actually pushing for the number two job. In yesterday's episode, we quoted Jeff Zrebeck, and Jeff Zrebeck had his stock up on Jalen. That's mostly because he's, like, healthy and is in there, and that's your first step. Um, John Harbaugh yesterday had said that these younger corners, that they are in the beginning of this long journey of proving yourself. Um, so, so I don't know how deep to take these comments, 
But coming off a day where Rock obviously struggled, I mean, a lot of these plays were over him. Um, you know, Marlon Humphrey isn't getting cooked every single time. And it seemed like it happened like almost five times for Rock today. So I just think it's something to monitor. And I'm guessing that these updates aren't making fans feel too secure uh, because, you know, we, you know, including me, we wanted Peters back. Uh, but there's still plenty of options, still really early, but obviously one of the main competitions to watch. Well, it's unfortunate that a lot of this is coming at Rock's expense. You know, at the expense yeah. of rock. And again, it's only one day. We don't want to get too ahead of ourselves, right, right, right. but I'm over here kind of like smiling, listening to you because you know, the days of just saying, all right, we got to double up Mark, take away the middle, make sure nothing's there for him. 89 circle them all day long. Right. The days of that essentially being like a winning defensive game plan going up against Baltimore are over. And so there are going to be guys left on an Island with Odell left on an island with Rashad, potentially left on an island with Zay, right? And, and they're going to have Mark Andrews. They're going to have to double somebody, right? Who Mark's yep. probably going to benefit from all these guys are going to benefit from each other's presence, assuming that things work out the way we think it will. So it, it's refreshing in that sense. But like I said, unfortunately, it's coming at, at least today in this episode, it's coming at Rock's expense. Hopefully, there'll be plenty more cornerbacks on opposing teams that we'll be talking about in this same light for months and months uh, over the next well you know, and, and and to the point and we're going to transition into this guy to your point everybody was burying Kyle Hamilton in the open city in practice because he got cooked yeah but remember just like just like Hewitt is saying that this is a new system for rock well now let's transition to Kyle Hamilton who he just like talked about how it's night and day now he's always been talented but he didn't know the Raven system. And it was also obviously an NFL change too. And so hopefully Rocky has seen a, a year from now, we're going to be saying the same things that Hewitt was saying about um, Kyle Hamilton and that Kyle Hamilton was saying about himself. The most growth, um, he knows the defense. Um, there's, there's, he doesn't have, he, like, you know, earlier in the year, he had a lot of growing pains. Um, so he, he's ahead of the plays this year. He's ahead of the formations. Um, down the distance, knows what he, how, how, he, how to play now. Um, so we'll see big things from Kyle. I, I expect this guy to be a Pro Bowl type player this year. I, I remember it after the Miami game. We talked about it. It was a big storyline. Were the, were the lights too bright? Was he was too much on his plate? He faced the music. He met with reporters. He held himself accountable. He got back into the lab and ended up being arguably probably with Linderbaum the, the, the top two, if not probably, maybe he even trumped Linderbaum's year. I know they're on different sides of the ball or whatever, but he was an extremely impressive rookie who had more added to his plate incrementally throughout the season. So when he heard what Chris Hewitt had to say about him, this was his response. In uh, 2020, what year is it? 2023? 2023, Kyle, and 2022, Kyle, at this time, I feel like are two completely different people just mentally. Um, I'm making a lot of checks, a lot of calls back there, and uh, it's kind of cool, like having guys like Roquan and Patrick uh, looking for me uh, for checks and stuff like that and being able to give it to them confidently. Um, it's a big difference from last year, and I feel like that was the biggest step that I've taken, um, not even physically, just mentally being able to lead out there um, with calls and checks and stuff like that. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So when he responds to, um, they're like, hey, your coach just said that they he expects you to play at a Pro Bowl level. Like, what do you think of that? And he says, quote, that's the goal. Ultimately, Pro Bowl, Super Bowl, all of that. I think top to bottom, we're maybe the deepest in the NFL from offense, defense, special teams. I feel like I'm at a Pro Bowl practice every day. You look around and there are guys everywhere. I have high expectations for myself, for the team, and I feel like we can make them all come true. Close quote. So, um, oof. yeah. Big talk Confident here. Big talk. Confident guy, as he should be. Yeah. Uh, recently, a tweet that uh, he and Derwin James. They made history. They became the only first-year safeties to achieve PFF grades, which exceeded 80 flat in run defense, pass coverage, and pass rush. All three categories were north of, of 80 grades. Never happened in the history of PFF. So the grading wow. system loves them. Uh, obviously, you know, we love them. The fans love them. I think he's starting to, to love what he can do, too, and, and he's coming into his own. Very mild-mannered guy. But uh, opposite of his father, shout out Derek Hamilton, who's who's watching, become <laughs> friendly with him, former former professional basketball player overseas. I mean, Kyle grew up in an extremely athletic family. We know that we covered earlier in the off season that he went back to Notre Dame this off season to start to work towards finishing his degree. Super impressive off the field as well. Looking forward to seeing how much else they're gonna stack on his plate this year because it sure seems like. He's capable of adding more. All right. Well, so searching, switching gears here, Bobby. I I feel like I haven't gotten a good feel for the offensive line. I mean, we've definitely heard that the defensive line might be the strongest position group, certainly on defense. So I just haven't gotten a good feel for these guys because, and you can attest to this, when I'm out there and 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 you've been out there with the media, the majority of the time everybody's watching like the skill positions, right? And then even when they do watch kind of offensive and defensive line, most guys are not like these linemen gurus who know who knows what's going on. Now, one guy who actually does take pride in that, well, there's two guys, Cole Jackson, but he's in Canada, so he's not out there watching. But Mike Preston over at the Baltimore Sun, he does he does take pride in that. He does like to watch those guys, and I've watched him watching those guys. And so... There were two things coming out of um, Monday's, the first padded practice. So he had a comment about Linderbaum, and he also had a comment about rookie Malai Sala Amuvai Laulu. So um, I'm going to first read this first paragraph on Linderbaum. So he, Mike Preston says, quote, It's apparent that second-year starting center Tyler Linderbaum 
hit the weight room during the offseason. A year ago, nose tackle Michael Pierce would toss Linderbaum around like a dry washcloth when he that. would bull rush him. What's that? I haven't heard of that one before. <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> dry washcloth uh, when he would bull rush him. But that doesn't happen much anymore. A bigger body and a better anchor leg allow Linderbaum to hold his own against Pierce. Being overpowered by bigger nose tackles was a major problem for Linderbaum last season. So um, I would say that Linderbaum last season, he like wouldn't get beat frequently. It would kind of be like this slow burn, right? Where these over these huge nose guards could just slowly, you know, push him back. Um, and then like his wrestling kind of skills would kick in. But if you're able to add, I mean, he's sitting here saying that Linderbaum bulked up. So you get a little bit more, more beef on there. What he's saying here is Pierce isn't able to uh, throw him around like a dry washcloth anymore. So that's good news for, for Linderbaum. And then the rookie, Big Sala. Here's what he's got to say about him. <clears throat> the the kind of subtitle is solidifying left guard. Quote, rookie Malai Sala Amuvai Laulu keeps getting better as the starting left guard. He has good explosion off the ball and moves well when the Ravens run the counter tray. There was supposed to be stiff competition between Amuvai Laulu, Ben Cleveland, and if necessary, Daniel Falele. Now, he doesn't mention, mention John Simpson, which I don't know if he's overlooking it or just doesn't see him as part of the competition, but he doesn't name him. Um, and then Preston says, but right now, the rookie has established himself as the starter, close quote. So it's interesting. They did ask John Harbaugh today if they're going to, I think Jeff asked him if he was going to have a rotation. Um, John said that there would be some rotation just to get a look at guys in different positions. But um, as we know, Preston isn't usually one for, you know, positivity. He doesn't ma ma mind being like the, the negative Nelly. So I thought those were two good call, you know, paragraphs for Linderbaum and, and Amuvai. And, you know, the defensive line has been so, so dominant that it's made you worry about the offensive line, which has made me not have a good feel for them. But uh, I do respect Mike a bit in his um, assessment of the offensive lineman. What are your thoughts? If I'm not mistaken, he was a former offensive lineman. Don't quote me on that. Mm -hmm. But but he mm -hmm. clearly loves it, and he, and he likes yeah. to walk the trenches closely. And you're right. I I can remember him vividly standing on that side of the section, so much so that I was like, you know, I kind of want – why is nobody over here? And I, I remember walking over as like a, you know, media rookie and watching – Jody Alessandris go after it, and and they're kind of in the far, way way back uh, towards Field. the wood area. Yeah. So mm. anyway, I I'll be curious to see how much of a rotation each of these guys get throughout preseason. I mean, the job's probably going to be won and lost, you know, throughout the the preseason games. So you know, Sal is going to have a chance. Sure seems like it that that he's probably going to get a decent amount of playing time in that first preseason game unless something changes. And from there, you know, roles might be divvied up come September. So, yeah, no, I'm, I, I, I can't wait to. I'm shocked. Like I'm, I'm pretty shocked that that this has worked out the way it has. Maybe not as surprised as as Jalen Armour Davis being in the fray, being in the potential competition for you know starting corner duties. But uh, the fact that Salah's is here right now, we're gearing up for what two weeks out from the first, less than two weeks out from the first preseason game. 
somewhat of a surprise. Um, just real quick, it seems like we always do a quick little quick hit on, on J.K. Dobbins. Um, I, I'm not one to be uh, stalking people's likes on Twitter, um, but other people on Twitter do, and they post screen grabs of it. J.K. Dobbins uh, just hit this like, and, and, and it spurred a bit of um, some conversation on Twitter, which I wanted to give my opinion on. But basically, he liked this, but then he like unliked it because I think people started to notice. But uh, people were arguing again about whether he deserves to get paid, yada, yada, yada. And one guy is arguing uh, this, and this and this comment is what J.K. Dobbins likes. It says, this guy says, this, this is comedy because before he met the Ravens training staff, he never missed a game. He missed one season due to malpractice by his coaching staff, and all of a sudden he's always hurt. You're a funny guy, because apparently the guy before said that J.K.'s always hurt. So um, I can agree that, um, you know, J.K. historically has not gotten hurt. It was one really, really bad injury. Now, it is interesting he hit a like when he says it's malpractice. It is not malpractice to play players in the preseason. Um, you can choose not to, and you can limit it. But plenty of coaches play players in preseason, and I still to this day remember when it happened, and there was a Wired episode that came out, and John Harbaugh was just heartbroken that J.K. was injured. And he was talking to both Lamar and to Mark Andrews. And they're like, coach, you can't blame yourself. Like this is, this is the preseason. We got to, we got to figure it out. And he's like, I just wanted one series. It was just one series. I wanted everybody in. And, and both Mark Andrews and, and, and Lamar were like, yeah, you can't, you can't rethink it, you know? So it was almost to me that it was like, they were all cool. I don't know if JK was, but they didn't seem to have a problem. So to call it malpractice, I think is silly. So anyway, it's part a little debate online where I think Joe, Joe or Cole Jackson was like, so what is this? He's not going to play because he was hurt or whatever. Here's what I think is going on. I've, I think I've said this before, but I'll say it more succinctly. I think JK, yes, is looking for a new deal because he wants to be protected, especially in training camp in the preseason. I do not blame him. Um, so it's kind of like, if you can't give me a raise, then I'm not going to risk myself in training camp and maybe the preseason. But I still for sure think he'll come back for the regular season because that is his only path to making money. So go ahead, protect yourself in the preseason, especially if you're not going to get a better deal. But I still think he'll be back in the regular season because that's when the risk becomes worth it because he's not going to make any money otherwise. Anything else you want to say on that? I, I would agree. We talked about this offline earlier today just to make sure we were on the same page. I, I think he's been stirring up some unnecessary drama in a sense, especially, you know, knowing that these like tweets are followed, not just because people can stalk you like that, but when you like a tweet, people that you follow or people that follow you, it pops up in their timeline from, from time to time. So he knew what he was doing there. And I think there's been, there's been a few things that he's stirred up a little bit. He's clearly upset. He clearly, uh, I don't know if it's a grudge or, or, or whatever about the decision to play him a couple of years ago that summer at the, you know, down in Washington, clearly that's still, is with him. He's he's it's followed him and I get it. It's it, it unfortunately really has derailed him for multiple years so much so that last year he had to get the scope in season and he came back and, and he just wasn't quite himself, but clearly it helped. So I hope that you're right with that because the, the Ravens do need him and he is their He is their bell cow and maybe he can be what he wants to be this year under a different offensive regime. We know that he has been very, very adamant about his usage or lack thereof 
Uh, I was going to say, because he's not their bell cow. They've never used him like that, at least under Roman. Who knows what, what Munkin will do. But in his <laughs> mind, for sure. Yeah. And what he's capable of being. We both know that, that he is capable of being that, and he wants to be that. It's just he hasn't been given that opportunity yet. So we'll see. And who knows? He may not... Munkin may go with a similar system because we know how dangerous that Gus can be as well. So he may not be. Maybe he knows that. So there's there's still a lot to come, but I hope you're right. I definitely agree with you in terms of the strategy behind um, you know, his his business side of things right now in the early part of camp. He he's doing exactly what the media was telling Lamar Jackson what he should do last season, which is don't step foot on training camp practice until you're protected. And Lamar's like, forget that. I'm going. But J.K., given that he's had the injury, he's like, yeah, I'm not stepping foot until I'm more perfected or protected. So Plus, I think that's fine. Yeah. He didn't have that fifth-year option money sitting in his bank either. Yeah, <laughs> right? that's true. That's 23 true. million change, I believe. I'm not That helps. Mistaken. Yeah. So, anyway, a few quick hits before we bounce. We'll begin with Warren Sharps. You guys got just this never-ending source of content for all 32 teams. I don't know how he does it, but the highlights are attached to this tweet. We just can't play it because of copyright purposes, but he wanted to look back at what I'm sure some of you will uh, not be thrilled with here, but in the final 20 seconds of each half, the Ravens defense allowed 40 points to be scored last year. That's the most of any defense in the last five years, and it lost them three games. We all remember which three those were. 35 to 14, they had a lead on Miami, lost. 20 to 3, up on Buffalo, lost. And of course, we all remember the insane finish to the Jacksonville Jaguars game. They were up 19 to 10 and lost that one to Trevor Lawrence's greatness, all of which were lost in the final seconds. So, hate to revisit it, but that was a fact that happened last year that the Ravens had to overcome and clearly. They couldn't quite do so. Although they did make it to the playoffs, didn't they? <laughs> they did. They did, despite losing Lamar. But, yeah, if the red zone, if the offense needs to turn around its red zone woes, the defense needs to turn around its last-minute defense. Kind of, you know, just that was just terrible. Ter so when you have a combination of not scoring well in the, on, in, in the red zone on the offense and then giving up scores in the last 20 seconds of each half, that's a problem. So that's that's the goal for the defense this year, for sure. Period. Period. Shifting gears, though, Scott Pioli of NFL Network, he thinks that Ozzie Newsom deserves a second induction for his trailblazing tenure as the Ravens general manager. He already has a bust, as most of us know, in the Pro Football Hall of Fame as a player. And I know we both absolutely uh, you know, tip our caps to Scott for that one. And who knows? Hopefully one day he will be a multi-Hall of Famer, if you will. And one more tweet before we bounce here. Marlon Humphrey, of course. How can you not finish an episode with one of his triggering tweets? And he says exactly that. I know this will trigger some Ravens fans, but it honestly doesn't matter because it's in the past, LOL. But Ray Rice did not get that first down on 4th and 29. Clearly, he was one yard short. It was a horrible spot. I'm not mad. I'm just saying, LOL. So I ask you, what upsets you more, the Titanic tweet or this one? <laughs> Neither one upsets me. At least like the other stuff. I I've liked all of Marlo's goofy side. This one I don't understand as much. Now he's just trolling. I spent too much time going back and looking at that today, by the way. 
Um, he was not short. The spot was fine. His knee went down at the 35, but the ball was at the 34. I thought it was a good spot. It took forever to do it. The league reviewed it. I remember Dean Blandino had reviewed it. The spot was correct. They took 10 minutes to get it right. They had issues with the chains and all that kind of stuff, but um, definitely not well short one yard as, as uh, Marlon's trying to say here, but uh, you got to love the guy. He doesn't, he does not care what people think. He knows exactly what he's doing on there. Doesn't <laughs> he? he knows exactly what he's doing. Couple injury nuggets before we leave. I don't believe we've mentioned this yet. If I if if mm -hmm. I have, we haven't um, mentioned injuries. Okay, a couple quick little things from Tuesday, and then we'll actually scoot. Uh, David Ajabo is okay, according to John Harbaugh, after leaving practice with an apparent injury. He came back actually to watch the rest of of the session to support his teammates. And Harbs also said that safety Geno Stone, he does have an ankle injury. He's going to be out for maybe a week or somewhere in that range. And luckily, knock on wood, as I literally will right now, that's all we really have to report on right now. Bateman is obviously still on pup. Rashad Bateman still on pup. And there's one more player, or is it just those two now with, with Jalen Armour Davis and Pepe cleared? Uh, now I'm trying to remember. I think I have it. Sorry about that. I put you on the spot. Uh, Dobbins, Ricard, Bateman, all in PUP. Voorhees, Bowser, and more on NFI. Oh, duh. Yeah. Dobbins is the third. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, Dobbins is the third, but we, we have already covered that in terms of where he's at right now. So anyway, as always, like we mentioned, great way to support what we're doing here on camera now, which is, which is a lot of fun. Uh, getting ready for the season and whatnot is, is, is checking out what we're offering on Patreon. You can do so by visiting patreon.com forward slash Ravens vault podcast. Haven't really asked for this recently, but we would love for you to subscribe to the vault here. We're coming up on 8,000 subscribers, hoping to reach that 10 K mark at some point uh, in the coming months, which, which is a great milestone for us here on the channel being that we haven't even, I think we launched our channel in October. So we're thrilled with the growth there. We're, we're thrilled with, all of your support. Thanks so much. You can always check this out, by the way, if you can't sit in front of the screen uh, for whatever reason at work, at the gym, whatever. We're in audio only form wherever you get your shows, as always. And for my co host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this Wednesday morning vault edition. We will be back next with you on Thursday.